0: Today on the show, she is literally in the first sentence of Dune,
1: so I think it's about time we talk about her.
0: Welcome to Gam Jabbar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu.
1: My name's Leo.
0: And Leo, we're focusing on the character portion of that intro today. Indeed. We're going to be talking all about Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohaim. Quite literally, as you said in the intro... The very first character we're introduced to in the entire Dune saga.
1: It's true. I had forgotten this, but looking at that first sentence of the book Dune, ever heard of it? (laughs) The old crone is mentioned before Jessica or Paul. Yeah. It is surprising how central she is.
0: Right. And in the trailers for the upcoming film, we've already seen her iconic scene from the start of that book. So... She's a pivotal character in the story, but in sort of classic Frank fashion, we see her a couple of times and we learn nothing else about her. So that's what today's episode is all about. Absolutely. couple of housekeeping things that we got to take care of at the top of the show. Right. As always. Mm-hmm. First and foremost today, a shout out to a listener because today's episode idea, today's topic was a suggestion from Noreen Thomas. Yeah. Nereen, thank you so much for writing in and for such a great episode idea.
1: Like so many of the suggestions we get, we considered it as one of the many possible episodes that we were going to do, but upon looking into it at all, it's like, no, this is a brilliant suggestion. Yeah. Because, yeah, like you said, Abu, I know who Gaius Helen Mohaim is, but do I? Right. (laughs) And to look into her more deeply was a joy, and... There's so much to talk about today. Uh, And to that point, today is a spoiler episode. Yeah. So be warned. uh, Some of what we're discussing does span through the revelations at the end of uh, Children of Dune, which is, of course, the third Dune book. So we do recommend that you've at least read that far. That's that's our spoiler warning.
0: Definitely. And one last bit of housekeeping just like Nareen setting an example for the rest of our listeners email us we love to hear from you your episode ideas just your thoughts on recent episodes you've listened to what you're up to
1: <laughs> generally <laughs> Have you taken up skateboarding tell us <laughs>
0: Tell us. what What's your latest hobby? What's your pandemic hobby? Tell us. Anything Dune or non-Dune related, just email us. We are starved for conversation, folks. <laughs> We'd love to hear all of it from you. So, gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com, the best place to get in touch with us. Yeah. And to maybe have your episode idea turned into an actual episode on the show. For sure. So, let's talk first
1: about kind of why we would do an episode <laughs> on Gaius Helen Moheim. She is one of the many characters that gets kind of a bad showing in Dune. Right. You know, we talked about Thufir, and we'll talk one day about Duncan Idaho. She's a character who, when we meet her, she seems mysterious and cool first, right? She's this wise old woman who realizes Paula's awake from 20 feet away, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're like, oh, she's so cool and so badass, and everyone's afraid of her, and it's great. Right. And then we don't see her again until she gets fucking wrecked by a for you. Ollie Atreides is like, what up? I'm for. And Gaius Helen Moheim is bodied, is just absolutely yeah. decked by this shook literal child. <laughs> not great. And then Dude Messiah is also not great.
0: Oh, even worse somehow. She's yeah.
1: like, I've got all these plans, and then gets fucking arrested.
0: <laughs> it's like spends the entire book in jail. <laughs> playing with cards,
1: it's, it's it's a tough look. And yeah, she really is one of the most powerful Bene Gesserit alive at the time of Dune. Right. So, you know, we think she maybe deserves the time, deserves the look.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned yourself earlier that so many of the characters in Dune have this reverence for her or are afraid of her. The Baron right. is afraid of the Truthsayer. Yeah. Of the Emperor's Truthsayer. No kidding. And that's a big reason he doesn't outright just kill Jessica or Leto himself. Right. So looking into her history and talking more about her as a character, her background, the role she plays in the universe and the effect she has on it really does paint a different picture of the interactions she has in the Dune novel.
1: Totally. Yeah. The same thing with the Sardaukar, right? Like... Knowing that she isn't this overhyped entity in the Dune universe where everybody goes, oh, she's formidable. Yeah. And then we don't see her being formidable at all. Yeah. She didn't chance her way into power. And you're totally right that rereading Dune now with a lot of this stuff in mind makes it, it's so rich. It's so totally wonderful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She has earned those reactions from the Baron, from Jessica, from Paul. Oh, totally. Okay. I hope everyone's ready and geared up. Because Let's get into it. Yes. Reverend Mother Guys Helen Moheim. Who is she? So, brief overview of this character, a little refresher. Mm-hmm. Guys Helen Moheim, when we meet her in Dune, is the trusted advisor and aide and truthsayer to the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV of House Carino. She is in a high position of power. <laughs> yeah. She is standing. <laughs> Quite often, right next to the imperial throne of the entire galaxy. Now, her role as a truthsayer isn't her primary allegiance, actually. Right. Because, obviously, she is a reverend mother of the Bene Gesserit sisterhood. And as we know, the Bene Gesserit's ultimate allegiance is always to their fellow sisters, to their sisterhood, and to the larger goals of the Bene Gesserit. And that's what she's doing here in this position of power. Just to the left of the strongest, most powerful person in the galaxy at that time.
1: <laughs> yeah, good place to be, huh?
0: Great place to be.
1: She also functions as a proctor for the school on Wallach 9. She she actually helps, like, recruit potential young Bene Gesserits to the school on Wallach 9. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, the Bene Gesserit, with this aim to help guide humanity down a certain path, Good place to be at the left hand side of the guy who just runs the galaxy. Right. And also to be in charge of recruiting the next generation of Benny Gesserits and to be part of that process, it's wild.
0: Yeah. She's a very influential person in a very high position of power when we first meet her. Yeah. And I would argue, even more importantly than all the influence and power that she wields at this moment, she's also our very first introduction to The test of the Gom Jabbar,
1: yeah. Screw that our other stuff, namesake. <laughs> yeah. That other stuff means nothing.
0: Gom Jabbar,
1: Gom <laughs> baby. Hey, that's us. That's us. She's, oh, she brings us into the fold. That's great,
0: yeah. And of course, as we know, in the very early scenes of the book, she administers this Gom test to our hero, Paul Atreides, and that's our first introduction to her.
1: Yeah, she's like. He's totally a human. Yeah. (laughs) 100% human. This guy, human. Checks out, Mm -hmm. human. Checks out, check the box.
0: And finally, one other thing we learned about Moheim early on in Dune is that she is one of the Reverend Mothers responsible for training Lady Jessica, one of the other main characters of the novel. Right. So she definitely plays this mentor slash mother figure role in Jessica's life. And that's another reason Jessica is a little bit in awe of her, right? Right. Someone that has trained her and told her everything she knows. Yeah,
1: no no kidding. So now that we've covered that, now that we've covered this kind of overview of who she is, let's talk about her childhood. Let's talk about what we know from her early years, which, going to be real with you, Not Not a whole lot.
0: lot. (laughs) Not a whole lot. (laughs) Shrouded in mystery.
1: (laughs) Hashtag shrouded in mystery. The number one hashtag used by Bene Gesserit sisters. This is like many characters in Dune. Frank just focused on the narrative. How dare he? Yeah. The encyclopedia gives us some knowledge, but it's also totally fair that details of the early childhood of a Bene Gesserit sister are not going to be kind of widespread. Right.
0: Right. I mean, that's on brand, right? Yeah. When you are a secretive, political, and quasi-religious order right. trying to shape humanity's destiny <laughs> from behind the scenes, yeah. you don't leave records lying around of where you get your recruits.
1: <laughs> Especially not on paper. I mean, that's really the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: <laughs> so her parents' identities are not detailed anywhere because, you know, <laughs> Benny Jespern. They don't. <laughs> They don't want you to know. They don't want the kids to know. They don't want anybody to know.
0: Your first and only allegiance should be to the school. Yeah. And not to your family or your parents.
1: Also, they may need to breed you with, like,
0: a sibling. (laughs) So, you know. Right. So let's not talk about it. Let's not talk
1: about (laughs) it. Let's keep all of that secret. The encyclopedia does say this, though, and this is regarding her kind of general lineage. Yeah, yeah. Quote, She came from a long line of reverend mothers bred out of the age of despair, and like them, she was empowered with two gifts. She possessed the gift of prescience, or illumination, Hmm. and the power of solitary conception. End quote.
0: Wow. Prescience. Yeah.
1: Yes. I forgot. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) That she has a limited sense of prescience this is not the like name brand that paul inherits this is not the top shelf you know totally black label i don't i don't know how the labels work this is not the most expensive highest quality this is definitely like joe's o's or like (laughs) kirkland
0: Kirkland, (laughs) she (laughs) says unnecessary shots at my guy kirkland i listen
1: it's great it's great no and it's better than nothing (laughs) kirkland (laughs) It's better than nothing. It's better
0: than nothing.
1: Which is also funny because I actually have never been able to tell the difference <laughs> between Kirkland and the name brands. Anyway, yes, uh, it's not exactly the same brand as Paul's, but it does actually come up here and there. And then to kind of also break down this quote a little bit, we'll talk about the prescience in a minute. But to break down this other part of the quote, right, the power of solitary conception kind of threw me off when I read it. because Yeah. I was thinking, you know, of like trees and certain <laughs> bacterias and like fungi. Asexual reproduction is what I thought. That's what I think of when I hear those words. Yeah. Which I guess is one way that you could interpret those words. But more likely, I had to do some digging on the interwebs. But there was this philosophical idea that Aristotle talked about, which approximately broadly related to kind of self-sufficiency in the seeking of happiness or well-being without the need of other people and just a moment of transparency i started down the rabbit hole i was like i was like let's go i'm gonna i'm doing an episode on moheim let's learn about aristotle and it scared me it was too intense i was like this is too smart for me i had a degree in art i spent all my time right, singing right time to alt f4 let's just get the fuck out of here so, if you understand how Moheim and her capabilities could relate to Aristotle's ideas of solitary conception, send us an email, please. I need to know.
0: Yeah. Any philosophy majors out there? As has been well established on this podcast, Leo has an art degree.
1: <laughs> and how's that working out for me? Oh, I'm doing it now. <laughs> also, Abu. We managed to pull bat facts from the the universe.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> We've got to be able to get... Now it's time to send us some Aristotle facts. <laughs> Should we be <laughs> spitting in his mouth? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Back to Moheim, though. Sure. That lineage tells us quite a bit about her, right? Even if we don't know who her parents were exactly, we know that she's from a powerful lineage. Yeah. And the word bread being used in that quote also kind of clues me in on she was probably engineered specifically to excel, which she does later in life. Right. Uh, this was no happy accident that Moheim was born and had these traits and abilities. This was something that was bred into her over generations and along Benny Gesserit plans, I'm sure. Now, speaking of her childhood something else that we don't really know much about we can't assume though that she probably also passed the test of humanity the old what's in the box put your hand in this thing and it's gonna (laughs) hurt a lot situation oh it's grapes but i think it's eyeballs (laughs) right yeah i'm pretty sure they did the gamjabar test on fear factor like every week back in the day (laughs) and we also know from the encyclopedia that she was schooled and trained in chemistry anatomy astronomy medicine Mm -hmm. metaphysics (laughs) like very well educated right yeah she obviously has been trained and bred to be a part of this benny jesser plan right and she is educated appropriately
1: i don't know about you but my my childhood metaphysics classes were (laughs) they were rough still trying to develop object permanence and they were asking me about quarks uh anyway (laughs) I don't know if quarks are.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, actually.
1: Another surprising detail from her childhood actually comes from her personal diary, mm-hmm. and this speaks to the earlier quote about her kind of gift of prescience. Here's the excerpt. Quote When I was a child, I dreamed a dream three times in succession. In my dream, I saw a hooded figure who, with an arrow, shot the sun out of the sky. Have I been seeing my destiny or Polytrades's? <laughs> his which of us is the archer, and which is the sun end quote wow, yeah that's cool
0: i don't ha I don't have dreams like that. I'll tell you that
1: that's a good dream that's a that sounds like a fun
0: <laughs> that's a pretty epic dream, yeah Yeah. M- most of my dreams are like escaping from prison. I don't know what that says <laughs> about my psyche, but wow, am I the prison bars or the prisoner anyway. <laughs> So this is really interesting, right? She has this limited sort of low-calorie prescience. <laughs> yeah. It's obviously, like we established earlier, not quite to the level of Paul's abilities. No one in the galaxy is. Right. Again, he's the first Quizat Sadarak. Yeah. But she does have this limited ability, and she uses it throughout her career. Right. And knowing that she has these prescient abilities, it adds a lot of depth. When you reread Dune to a lot of her interactions with Paul, there's a quote from the very beginning, very early on in the book, where Jessica just kind of straight up mentions, quote, I ask only what you see in the future with your superior abilities. End quote. (laughs) Hello. I totally forgot about this, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a quote that you could brush aside as like, oh, you know, yeah, Moheim is powerful and uh She's smart, she's smart, <laughs> she's just yeah, but what it really is here is these prescient abilities that she's had since childhood, these limited low calorie prescient <laughs> abilities right
1: now, later, much later in the book, during Paul's duel with fade, we actually hear from Moheim, and I love this quote so much, quote, she had seen something of what Paul had seen here that fade Ratha might kill but not be victorious, end quote,
0: yeah. Something of what Paul had seen. Yeah. Wow.
1: Talking about Paul at this time is in a nexus. He's not really clear on what's going to happen. Moheim similarly is like, yeah, I've kind of sensed that Paul will die or could die and Fade rautha would still not be victorious. Right. I kind of see this as similar to what the Mentats do, where they're kind of sussing out what the future has through other means. But this isn't coming out of some mentat training or calculation. Mm-hmm. This is just a sensitivity that she has and a light Kirkland prescience that <laughs> she's just got.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just later on in this very scene, when Paul is negotiating with the emperor near the end of the book, we get another quote that clues us in on Moheim's Prussian abilities. Quote, moheim had her own view of the hidden meaning in paul's words now she glimpsed the jihad end quote Uh, hello uh, (laughs) we've spent the whole book only hearing about the jihad from paul yeah and it turns out someone else has also seen the same jihad yeah or at least glimpsed it wow moheim's out
1: here seeing spoilers (laughs) yeah she's like damn Oh, shit he's the main character huh
0: i hope she's not tweeting spoilers yeah,
1: yeah she's the worst no she wouldn't she wouldn't she would think about it she would threaten to
0: yeah yeah she would use it as leverage
1: but then a four-year-old would disconnect her internet <laughs> <laughs> that uh all of that being said she does admit in her journals uh reflecting this kind of prescient capability quote I failed to see much since that time when I first confronted the young Paul and tested him, end quote. Which could explain why a little bit later we see her using the Dune Tarot. Right. You know, this tool in Messiah that's established as being somewhat effective. We actually did a whole episode on the Dune Tarot before Gaius Ellen Moheim. It's not an intentional slight, but it might read that way. (laughs) She's using this tool to get a sense of the future, because since that first humanity test, she's not really getting those visions anymore, it seems like, from what she's saying here.
0: Yeah. Or at the very least, she still gets the visions. But again, Paul's abilities, Paul's prescience, much more powerful than any other human being in history. Right. Mohai might glimpse the jihad, but Paul is seeing it full force in 4K. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's continue with Moheim's life and move forward into her adult years. So she's passed the tests, she's gone through her education at the Benny Gesserit School, and during her adult years, she starts to build that reputation that we know of by the time we meet her in Dune. She starts to honestly like make moves. Right. And her peers recognize these abilities within her recognize that she excels mm. she's confident some might say arrogant but definitely knows that she is one of the best one of the smartest people in most likely every room she's in <laughs> right and she knows that and her peers recognize that and there's a certain level of arrogance but confidence that comes from Moheim in that sense
1: yeah and another part of this reputation is you're right smartest gal in the room in most rooms also, noted that she has unmatched abilities of observation, yeah. which we know from spending so much time with Jessica and Paul, this is a vital skill for Benny Gesserit to observe, to see, and to put two and two together. You got to see the twos before you can add them. Right. This is especially useful in administering this human test, the humanity test with the Gamjabar. Mm-hmm. You're watching them as they go through this agony are they composed are they about to break do i have to fucking kill a child right (laughs) like there's a lot riding on that moment and she was the best at it at the time of dune she is distinguished as being the best at that test
0: right and it makes sense that later on in life she becomes a truth sayer yeah someone who can use her incredible abilities of observation to suss out the truth totally she's like a sherlock holmes on crack which, which is i guess sherlock just holmes? sherlock holmes <laughs> <laughs>
1: heroin what did he do he did something
0: <laughs> he did something drugs all of this is to basically say that she is exceptional even as a benny Jesuit, right and it shows because then she continues her career and does some pretty incredible things before we meet her in dune right first and foremost among her accomplishments is something we've already mentioned. Sitting next to the most powerful person in the galaxy and advising him. Yeah. She <laughs> installs herself as Shaddam the Fourth's truthsayer. Yeah. And one of his most trusted advisors, one of his confidants in his inner circle. That's not an easy thing to do. That is a powerful political move to make in her career.
1: Can we just take a moment to appreciate this means that Shaddam in Pretty much any important conversation is going to say, Moham, you need to be there. And then he's going to turn to her and go, was he telling the truth? What should I do? Yeah. And Moham is in that situation acting as a sort of lie detector test. But there's nothing, you know, the Mentats are conditioned to behave a certain way to a certain code, all of that. Moham could just lie to him. Right. (laughs) She could just say, who watches the Watchmen? Yeah. Who watches Moheim? She's like, she's like, nah, he's totally lying. You should take his planet. Yeah. And Shaddam's like, oh, word? Okay. Hell yeah. Hey, my, my lie detector said you were lying.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, fuck, what? He's totally lying. You should fuck his wife. <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: then she she just whispers, bitch,
0: to him. <laughs>
1: he looks over. She's got her middle finger up.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Moheim in this seat of power, can do whatever she wants. Totally. It completely follows the Benny Gesserit coda of dictating things from behind the scenes, pulling the strings from behind the curtain, never making yourself the person in charge, or never allowing a target to be painted on your back. Yeah. It's a very powerful position for her to be in. Now, in addition to her role as truth-sayer to the most powerful person in the galaxy, she's also a teacher, right? Right. We talked about how she is a proctor at the Wallach Nine School, and within this capacity, as a mentor, as a teacher, she ends up teaching some of the most successful Benny Jesuit in history. Yeah, notably one that we know quite well, named Irulan. Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, Irolan was like one of the bad eggs that she had to train. But
1: they go, "Wow, who taught Irolan?" and. <laughs> Moham's like, "Hmm, uh,
0: uh, I don't know. Can't remember. It's weird. <laughs> <It's> strange." <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, this is huge. She ends up training one of the most influential Bene Gesserit in the history of the Dune universe. Right. And we find out in one of the later novels that in The Horde at Dar es Balat, yeah. there are notes that indicate that she was dictating a lot of the Bene Gesserit strategy leading up to Paul's birth. right? She's quite influential in pushing Benny Gesserit decisions in that direction.
1: Yeah, and I mean, again, you're talking about Benny Gesserit's strategy. This is all for the Kwisatz Haderach, but it's also securing a foothold in galactic goings-on, which, you know, pretty much every significant person we meet in Dune on the political kind of galactic scale, with the sole exception of Baron Harkonnen, has a Benny Gesserit at their side. Right. They're all over the place. <laughs> I mean, you can't toss a Kinjal without <laughs> hitting one of them. That's got her stamp right there.
0: Yeah. Okay, let's wrap up her early life. Right. Leading up to that fateful meeting with Paul Atreides in the opening pages of the Dune novel, the encyclopedia actually tells us this quite tragic and extraordinary story about Juana Marcus, who should sound familiar to Dune readers because this is Dr. Yui's wife. Right, yeah. From the encyclopedia, quote, Moheim's journals indicate that Juana Marcus was extremely talented, especially in the skills of truth trance and truth saying. Right. End quote, which makes sense because as we know from the Dune novel, Dr. Yui threw his marriage to Juana knows a little bit of truth-saying, which he uses when he faces the baron to confirm that his wife is indeed dead. Right. Now the encyclopedia continues and says, quote, she was being groomed for the role of a truth-sayer, but certain developments, notably Reverend Mother Gaius Helen... Oh, wow, they dropped Moheim here. What the fuck?
1: Yeah, Moheim's her last name, I think. I see. Like, my mom's name is Cheryl Ann. (laughs) She's from the South. (laughs) Guy guys from Texas. <laughs> guys Helen. <laughs> Are you done your homework, guys Helen? Guys Helen.
0: Is that a boy in your room?
1: <laughs> Fifteen boys.
0: Are you doing that breeding program shit again? <laughs> <laughs> How many times have I told you, guys, Helen?
1: Southern families worry about that breeding
0: program. That's
1: <laughs> what they do in those public schools.
0: Oh God. <laughs> really showing our East Coast <laughs> elitism there. Yeah. Or coastal elitism, yeah. yeah. Continuing no, with kidding. this quote. But certain <laughs> developments, notably Reverend Mother Guy's Helen's... Dis- <laughs> 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 I can't think of that without a Southern accent now. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> guy's yes, Helen! Helen.
1: <laughs> you pricking boys with that needle. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus! Jesus! <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God. But certain developments, notably Reverend <laughs> Mother Guy's Helen's discovery of the young Paul Atreides' exceptional abilities, caused the Reverend Mother to alter her plans for Juana. Believing that the time of the Kwisatz Haderach had come, Moheim was determined to usher it in without delay. For this purpose, Juana Marcus was selected to act as decoy. End quote. Right. And then the encyclopedia basically explains that Juana was sent to infiltrate the Harkonnens in almost a sacrificial sense. The idea was to spark, basically, the events of Dune. Right. For Juana's death to happen, for Dr. Yui's souk school conditioning to be broken, and for the Baron and for Piter to come up with this plan, to plant a traitor within the Atreides ranks and use it to their advantage. All of those dominoes lead back to this decision by Reverend Mother Guy's Helen Moheim. Crazy. Now, there is a sort of
1: question of the timing of all that, and I think the key verbiage here is discovering young Paul Atreides' exceptional abilities. Yeah. By the time of Yui betraying House Atreides, Juana is known to be long dead or dead already.
0: Right. Right.
1: So one way we could reconcile this kind of conflict would be Jessica, something in her awareness told her he might be capable of being the Quiset right? Hence, guys Helen Moheim being there.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we meet Paul at the start of the book when he's 15 years old. And if we assume that by like age five, some of his abilities are starting to show, like, of course, Jessica would probably... Alert her mentor and one of the most powerful Benny Jesurid of the time. Right, and there's probably a decade of machinations behind the scenes here by guys Helen moheim before we even get to the jabbar scene at the start of the book. So maybe sometime within that decade is when Wana is given the assignment to infiltrate the Harkonnens, and perhaps in those years is when she gets killed. I did want to highlight. It's mentioned here that Paul's father's
1: death in particular would like free him up for the experiences necessary to become the Kwisatz Haderach.
0: Yeah. Almost like a trigger.
1: Right. And removing this father figure from the scenario so that Paul would le- look to someone else for guidance or someone else for, you know, support and leadership. Yeah. It's wild. And also sets up this insane depth to this conversation that she has with jessica at the beginning you know remember all of this according to the encyclopedia was part of moheim's plan right jessica's decision to have a son through a wrench and everything but then his abilities and moheim's manipulation of everything sets up those events like you said of dune as a certainty so we get this conversation between jessica and moheim at the beginning of dune where she says uh, jessica says quote Is there no alternative? And Mohaim responds, Alternative. A Bene Gesserit should ask that? End quote. Wow. Yeah. Which, on a certain level, you read it on the surface as you're asking for things to be a different way than they are is bad training for a Bene Gesserit sister. Right. And that's how Jessica takes it and she is properly deflected. (laughs) She's kind of being gaslit in that moment. But Mohaim, if you think about that, Jessica's saying... Is there an alternative to your plan in all of this? You know, the dominoes are falling in the way that you planned them to. Is there an alternative? And Moham's like, uh, fuck. Uh pff,
0: what? <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> That's a what? shitty
1: question to ask. And Jessica's like, Ah, oh, you're right. I'm just emotional because, you know, my husband's gonna die or my the love of my life is gonna get yeah. murdered.
0: Yeah. It's it's brutal. It's ruthless. Right. It's so ruthless. It's crazy. Yeah, and again, totally on brand for her, right? Yeah. Mohaim is dedicated to the Benny Gesserit cause of getting to the Kwisatz Haderach at whatever cost.
1: Yeah, no kidding. And actually, part of that cost, to your point, you know, like, let's take Mohaim at her word that she loves Jessica. Right. When she leaves that room that day after that conversation, there's this description of tears on her face. Yeah, And... We even get this aside where Jessica says that was the most disturbing thing she had seen, conversation aside, which is perhaps mysterious. Like when you read that for the first time and even the second or third time, it's like, hmm, uh, how, like, what is she, does she regret that Jessica's going to lose Leto? Like, what is the nature of her tears? Like, why? Right. Well, this suggests that this is the moment where she's really coming for the first time face-to-face with the emotional cost of her machinations, right? Yeah. That, you know, for the Benny Gesserit at whatever cost, well, Moheim, this is the cost. Your, like, favorite pupil that you love is losing the love of her life, and you have to look her in the eye and be like, how foolish of you to ask for an alternative to me murking your husband (laughs) or murking your love
0: right to to what must be done
1: yeah right it really is that the tears with all of this in mind are are humanizing right and give some beautiful depth to this character who we are currently kind of shitting on for being ruthless
0: yeah yeah definitely it's a human moment right for someone who throughout the dune saga eaten and even throughout this episode and all of our research from the encyclopedia and other sources comes off in many ways as inhuman and solely focused on achieving her goals right and it's a good reminder that there is is a person underneath all of that reverend mother bravura
1: right totally
0: so that is her life up until the first pages of dune (laughs) quite a life she has led yeah (laughs) <laughs> yeah, achieved way more than I have in my short twenty-eight years. Yeah, it's
1: fair. You have time. You have time, though.
0: I have time. I will be the truth sayer for the president of the United States someday. <laughs> <laughs> well, just just got to figure out how truth saying works. Really, maybe I should step one. Maybe I should follow Mister Holmes's strategy and try some crack. <laughs> <laughs> i really i think it's heroin it might be heroin because <laughs> he, he injects it
1: so i i don't think you inject crack i don't know about drugs yeah, though i don't know i don't know
0: anything about drugs actually
1: samuda just start taking samuda
0: <laughs> right
1: okay uh we're gonna take a quick break here but hang around right after this we're gonna talk about uh the whole rest of her life <laughs> stay tuned Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
0: So that's her life up until the first pages of Dune. Right. And that gives us quite a bit of background on how she got here. But now let's transition to actually the parts of her story that many of us will be familiar with. If you've read the first three books, then you kind of know what her path is like going forward. But as a quick refresher, we do want to touch on it and continue with her life through the Dune books right? and ultimately to her death in Dune Messiah. So let's get into it.
1: So we kind of joked about it at the beginning of the episode, but it is true that the first sentence of Dune... Yeah, I had forgotten this. I was like, I think she's mentioned in the first page or two. No, in the first sentence before Paul or Jessica, she is the first human indicated in the Dune novel. This is the sentence for anybody who hasn't read Dune in a while. Quote, In the week before their departure to Arrakis, when all the final scurrying about had reached a nearly unbearable frenzy, an old crone came to visit the mother of the boy, Paul. End quote.
0: Yeah, there she is right there, folks. Old crone. (laughs) Squad, roll up. (laughs) 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 and of course this scene then rolls into one of the most iconic scenes in all of dune
1: best scene Mm -hmm.
0: the gom jabbar test uh where we get our name right the test of humanity that paul has to pass and as a reminder now that we know about moheim's career and her childhood and her training she is exceptional at this yeah she is one of the best people to administer the Gamjabar test because of her unmatched abilities of observation. Right. And this gives us a big clue as to how important Paul already is. The most important Bene Gesserit in the galaxy, the woman who stands right next to the emperor, is here to test this 15-year-old boy? Right. (laughs) That's a big deal.
1: Yeah. I also can't read Gamjabar test without thinking about how all of my friends these days have to listen to me talk about gamjabar (laughs) and how (laughs) that's really the test for friendship for me now it's like hey yeah can you survive me talking about gamjabar constantly (laughs) yeah or will you chew off your limb to escape
0: yeah and they have to pass it you know it's a high bar to pass it's not many have (laughs) (laughs) right when your entire personality becomes about doom You lose a lot of friends, folks. That's just the harsh reality.
1: But listen, the ones you keep are perhaps the only ones worth keeping because Dune is love (laughs) and Dune is life.
0: Right. So so please email us. (laughs) (laughs) We actually get this
1: interesting quote from the encyclopedia. And this really highlights also part of why I love the encyclopedia. The quote says, first, quote, she kept the test results, this is Paul's test results. She kept the test results a secret, giving the sisterhood no warning that a potential Quisatz Haderach was among them. <laughs> end quote. Which is Damn. Wild. And you think you hear you read that and you go, What the hell? That's crazy.
0: Yeah. I don't know Gamjabar tests were HIPAA compliant. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> they're like so how did the test go she's like um you're not allowed to ask
0: <laughs> doctor patient confidentiality
1: <laughs> they're like sorry are you a doctor she's like no <laughs> then there is in the encyclopedia an editorial remark and i fucking love this this is why i love the encyclopedia. <laughs> this is so good because it's, yeah. it's written as a document that was written by people basically that the only record of that she kept it a secret Comes from the Bini Gesserit. They're like, no nah, she never told us. It's <laughs> wild. It's so crazy. She like refused to tell us. Yeah. Yeah. So it is totally possible. This editorial remark points out, it is totally possible that they're just fucking throwing Moheim under the bus. They're like, they're like, no, we have no <laughs> idea. Paul only won because he caught us off guard. And everyone goes, didn't Moheim test her? And they go, oh she no she didn't tell us anything (laughs) she kept it to herself
0: it's incredible (laughs) i love it so much that is so funny i mean this reeks (laughs) of the tobacco company funding the test that says smoking doesn't cause lung cancer (laughs) Right, (laughs) right 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 who sorry who paid for this test Ah, uh, it's not important.
1: Uh, what's important is that we get the truth out, which is that the Benny Gesserit is capable. We didn't get owned by a right, child. Right,
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, that that definitely seems like a little bit of Benny Gesserit PR, a little bit of tampering. So moving on, the next time that we see Mohaim after this Gamjabar test at the start of the book is nearly the end of the book. Right where she's in the audience chamber with Shaddam IV and Baron Harkonnen on Arrakis, when they all arrive on Arrakis. And they are confronted with Alia. And uh, Moheim is shaking <laughs> yeah. in her robes.
1: Not doing too well. She's, <laughs> her composure is questionable at this moment.
0: There's this weird toddler standing in front of her. Right. And remember, Moheim believes in the Bene Gesserit through and through, right? She is an embodiment of everything the Benny Gesserit stand for. And here in front of her is this creepy little child who we know has other memory. Right. And Moheim can sense this. And Moheim can also recognize that, oh my God, <laughs> yeah. there is a strong possibility of this child becoming an abomination, of being overtaken by those other memories. Right. Because access to other memories, access to the genetic memories of all the previous reverend mothers, that is given to a very small percentage of only the best Benny Gesserit who can pass one of the most arduous tests they have. Yeah. It's not something you hand to a child. It's not something that a child should be capable of handling at all. Right. And this idea of falling to abomination is actually one of the greatest fears in the Benny Gesserit sisterhood. Yeah. Yes, you get this incredible ability of accessing all of your ancient memories but it could drive you into some dark dark places and make you lose your your own identity so moheim is just kind of shook that jessica would do this that jessica would give birth to this kind of pre-born child right it basically just breaks everything moheim believes in and yeah she's in this scene totally shook
1: yeah i mean also and actually on the topic of abomination and moheim yeah we actually have another quote from the diary that I actually want to pull up here. Yeah. In her diary, Mohim actually shares a thought on abomination. And again, considering how violently she reacts to Alia, this is especially, especially kind of notable. Quote, now I am grown old and frail and almost spent in the service of this passion handed down to me and of which I have been caretaker for so long. I saw it as a dazzling scepter, indescribably old, immeasurably rich. Still, it has seemed to me at times almost too studded with tradition, too bejeweled with sacrifice, too heavily plated with precious meaning, to carry for very long. Yet, with the passing generations, I have gripped it ever more tightly, even as I felt myself buckling under its weight. That collapse is near. I will fall prey to an abomination. What a travesty! a fact of the contingent, malevolent, darkly playful universe that not even one like myself can always foresee. End quote. Wow. I mean, just a beautiful bit of prose. Just a beautiful bit of writing. Yeah, Not to get too meta, but the authors of the encyclopedia really <laughs> delivered. It's fascinating to hear about her talking about her responsibilities as this incredible weight that she's buckling under, but also... This admittance that as she grows older and maybe her identity of self diminishes, you know, we don't really hear about Benny Gesserit's and late, late, late stage, maybe health issues. Yeah. Uh, I don't even know if it's possible, but what about something like Alzheimer's, right? Or dementia? If you start losing that sense of self, do your other voices suddenly then have the ability to kind of take over? I don't know
0: a legitimate fear yeah
1: it's yeah i mean it's a real she's saying here yeah as she grows older she's becoming less resistant to abomination (laughs) so you think about that in relation to her reaction to alia and it's just it's tragic and it's yeah it's, it's pitiable because you've got this one of the most powerful women in the
0: galaxy thinking about her own mortality right totally okay Continuing Moheim's journey in the pages of Dune, at the very end of the book, we see Moheim once more in the room where Paul uh, basically just flexes on everybody and takes control of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, among these flexes, Paul has a conversation with Moheim. And now that we sort of understand so much more of Moheim's life and history and journey up to this point where she faces off with. What she sees now is a nearly fully powered Quisette's hitter axe standing right in front of her, the thing she's wanted to achieve her whole life. This exchange back and forth between them becomes quite poignant. Paul tells Moheim, quote, You've never had the right or cause to forgive my mother anything. Ugh. End quote. Ugh. Wow. So good. A reminder that Jessica was taught and raised by moheim and because of moheim's own behind the scenes machinations jessica's lover and paul's father were killed (laughs) all thanks to moheim yeah thanks (laughs) moheim so the fact that paul is standing here face to face with moheim and telling her you've never had the right to forgive my mother anything considering everything she's done yeah that's the least he could say here
1: also to jessica's credit He's the Quisatz Hatarak.
0: Right. <laughs> he is
1: the thing. And Jessica's like, I think I can do it. And fucking did. Yeah. Moheim's like, she betrayed us. Nah, Moheim, He didn't know what the Quisatz Hatterach was going to be. The sisterhood was mistaken about the qualities of the Quisatz Hatterach. That's not on Jessica. So it's really, it's just an incredible sentence that sh- shuts her down 140%. It's glorious.
0: Right. Right. Her life's work is standing right in front of her and telling her she's wrong. Oh, so good. <laughs> what an earth-shattering moment that must be. Now, in this very scene, Paul explains that, yeah, he could have killed Moheim if he wanted to. Right. He's the motherfucking quiz outside of Iraq. He can do whatever he wants now. <laughs> yeah. Instead, he does her one better. Quote, I think it's better punishment that you live out your years never able to touch me or bend me to a single thing your scheming desires. End quote, holy shit. Uh. Imagine being Moheim right here. Your life's work, the thing you have schemed and politicked and climbed to the very top of the ladder for. The thing you've dedicated your entire life to, that your sisterhood has dedicated generations to. Thousands of years. Is standing here telling you that he will not be controlled. Yeah. Wow.
1: Uh, brutal.
0: Brutal stuff. It really is the ultimate punishment, right? <laughs> That's the kind of thing that sends you into a midlife crisis. Makes you question every decision you've made until now. Well,
1: hey, uh, Moheim bought a convertible. That <laughs> seems out of character. <laughs> yeah, she's going through a lot.
0: <laughs> don't
1: don't ask her about it.
0: She's trying to climb Mount Everest? I. She's never climbed a thing in her life? <laughs> I
1: don't know, just supporter i guess you know we're here to talk
0: if she needs it a... guys helen
1: you wasted money on dumb carl
0: yeah absolutely brutal stuff here for Moheim. and frankly as we transition into Dune messiah the second book things don't really get better no, no it doesn't
1: I, I mean picking up in messiah she's hosting coup parties she's like we gotta get rid of this gotta get rid of this guy She's hosting.
0: Has everyone tried the hors d'oeuvres? I made them myself. <laughs> everyone tried
1: the hors d'oeuvres on Wallach Nine. They're great. <laughs> They're great. They've got a great charcuterie from Wallach Nine. Uh, she's trying to overthrow Paul, right? Right. And she's partnered. She's got a team. She's gotten together her little suicide squad, her little Justice League. Why? Why am I focused on DC? What's the <laughs> Avengers? That's what she's got. Face dancer Sightail. Uh She's got the semi-prescient kind of guild navigator. Edric, which is, of course, mostly to act as a blinder for Paul, so Paul can't see them. And Irulan, uh, wife to Paul, but who also was among her pupils when she was teaching at the Bene Gesserit schools. Right, Uh, Which I'd actually forgotten when I made that joke earlier. This is also, by the way, another indication that Moheim's prescience, as much as it wasn't really active that much after Paul's Gamjabar test... Her prescience is not exactly the brand that we're talking about for the rest of Dune. Right. Because Paul can see her in his visions, whereas he's normally blind to other prescient beings. He can see Moheim. Basically, just to differentiate a little bit when we're using that term for Mohaim, it, it really is like prescience light,
0: <laughs> completely
1: different <laughs> flavor. You don't grab it and are satisfied with it when you were intending to grab a crisp bottle of, of prescience. Right. Exactly. So, anyway, that's the squad, and they are not super effective.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This uh, coup attempt isn't off to a great start. Right. Because shortly after this little meeting... Yeah. ...she gets arrested... Which is a really tough look because it's also an embarrassing way to get arrested. It's so funny. It's so funny. It is just so funny. She tries to argue when she is confronted by the authorities. She tries to argue basically Carino era law in a world that is now ruled by an Atreides named Paul. Ever heard of him? Ever heard of him? And she just gets absolutely shut down. She says, quote, I'm a passenger on a guild highliner in free space, end quote. Very Karen of her, right? Right. I don't don't need to wear my mask. It's a free country. (laughs) Right. And the response here, (laughs) iconic, quote, there is no such thing as free space, madam, end quote. (laughs) Oh! Shit. That's that's definitely, I want to talk
1: to your manager. I am the manager. I
0: am the manager, yeah. (laughs) It's incredible. And so, after this embarrassing exchange, our girl Moheim, she gets imprisoned in Paul's keep, yeah, and spends a lot of dude Messiah there.
1: <laughs> oh God, yeah, do you know who I am? uh, yes, and that's why you're being arrested
0: <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> as it turns out, that is why we're talking. <laughs> we get a scene of her imprisoned, and her schedule these days are meditations and tarot readings uh Irulan visits and I went to summarize kind of what happens in this scene it's almost nothing almost nothing happens yeah it's basically just (laughs) them kind of chatting they've got their secret language it's it's cool it's really cool but nothing really happens as always Irulan is a wonderful person but doesn't get a lot done
0: (laughs) exactly and then basically, we get through the rest of Dune Messiah, and we get one other notable scene with Moheim before the end. She is brought before Emperor Paul Atreides right. for a private negotiation, because at this point in the story, Paul has seen many visions of Chani's death because of all of the plots against him. And in this scene, he's basically trying to negotiate Chani's survival here. Right. From Moheim, because he you know he fully realizes Moheim is involved in some of these plots against him, he may not know for certain which one <laughs> right, but he knows that she she's plotting against him, so he's trying to strike a bargain. Hey, you and the Benny Jesuit, get off my back, and what I'll do is give you the thing you desire. The Benny Jesuit want to preserve his genetic material, right? They want to preserve his line. He's the Kwisatz head rack,
1: yeah, no kidding.
0: their ultimate goal. And to lose him would be, oh my gosh, a failure, an astronomical failure, generations in the making. And so he offers this as a bargaining chip. Hey, Mohaim, you and the (laughs) Bene Gesserit, back off, and I will give you what you need for artificial insemination. (laughs) You can have my genetic material and do with it what you will if you stop plotting against me. And Mohaim says no.
1: (laughs) yeah. Right, the sisterhood is all natural when it comes to preserving genetic lines in their breeding program. Right, as far as we know, they have never allowed for artificial insemination as a means. So Paul's like, yeah, I'll, "I'll give you a, I'll give you some, uh, some of my genetic material," and guys Owens like, "No, <laughs> don't." So she, she says basically, "I need to talk to Wallach 9. Right. She needs time, get on the same page as her sisters, and so they put a pin in the discussion. We actually never hear back from Wallach. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this was one of the weirdest parts, yeah,
1: <laughs> it's kind of left on red by that whole planet, which is yikes, not a good feeling, you know she swiped right, it was a match, and then she got ghosted by all of Wallach nine so yeah, as pointed out, not a great showing for our girl <laughs> pinnacle of the. Benny Jesuit Sisterhood.
0: Yeah, yeah. How the mighty have fallen.
1: How the mighty have fallen. The next and last time we hear of her is in the party. Paulo symbols for the birth of his children. Right. He goes. I have to have these people with me. Johnny's like, ew. Why those people? He's like, not. Nah, you wouldn't get it. It's like a time vision thing. <laughs> and after that, after those events, and he's kind of walked into the desert because he's uh, fully blind as he kind of puts it. Against the orders, he left everybody to basically leave Moheim alone, right? Send her to a planet, just like get rid of her. Alia is like, yo, Stilgar, go kill her. <laughs> and Stilgar just does. He's like, well, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Again, looking back on it, I'm I'm almost surprised at how cavalier Stilgar is about that. He's talking to Duncan Idaho, and Duncan Idaho's like, you killed a reverend mother? And keep in mind what reverend mother even means for fremen like that's a yeah huge thing and still goes like yeah i mean she's in charge now right and with that off page kind of <laughs> so ends the life of gaius helen moheim
0: yeah what a life it was it's a good run good run It's not bad but of course this wouldn't be gom <laughs> if we just left it at that right And ended on a note that made sense at all. (laughs) There's one more thing to talk about that we have yet to bring up this entire conversation. We have been quiet on this front. Right. And it's explosive because there is some canonical evidence that Gaius Helen Mohaim could be Jessica's mother.
1: What? Oh, my God. Let's talk about that (laughs) immediately. Just kidding. Time for a quick break. <laughs> uh.
0: <laughs> got him. Uh,
1: but actually, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jessica as the daughter of Gaius Helen Mohaim.
0: Okay. Welcome back. We've made you wait long enough for this. Yeah. We got to break this theory down. The idea that Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moheim might be jessica's mother yeah and there's actually quite a bit of evidence for this i'm excited to break it down this is a very very plausible theory on many levels
1: yeah no kidding now a lot of this comes from the dune encyclopedia so take that for what it's worth right but ganima right paul's daughter wrote in her commentaries to the voices that gaius helen moheim was her great grandmother you know jessica's mother she's sort of the one that puts this in ink in the Dune Encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Now, in Children of Dune, when Leto II and Jessica are talking... Right. ...he says to Jessica, the Bene Gesserit know your parentage, that you are of Baron Harkonnen and then also this woman, Tenidia Nerus. And this is the only time that we get a name attached to the person that is Jessica's mother. Right. So when we say, oh, Gaius Helen Moheim is her mother... That obviously does seem to con- contradict. But according to the Dune Encyclopedia, these are how these events break down. Yeah. Under the alias Tanidia Nerus, and this is, again, for secrecy, for that people aren't recognizing who people are, Moheim seduced Baron Vladimir Harkonnen as a concubine. Wow. And we actually do get a line where he sampled many things in his youth, you know, this idea that although we only really see him Having a preference for young men, young boys, there is some indication that it wasn't always the case. Now, their daughter, Jessica of the Bene Gesserit, was raised in a Bene Gesserit kinder house with no idea of her relationship to Mohaim, right. as per, you know, Bene Gesserit protocol. Mohaim would then personally train her, developing her skills to prepare her to breed with Leto Atreides, again... When we talk about it in these kind of meta terms, it's so creepy and weird. <laughs> Give birth to the daughter who would then be the mother of the Quisatz Haderach. Right. The
0: original plan.
1: The, that's the original plan. Exactly. Now, that sounds impossible to accomplish, but keep in mind, Gaius Helen Moheim had Prescience Light. She's got that Kirkland Prescience. <laughs> so, probably helps. Yeah. Because I, I couldn't set that up.
0: Yeah. Definitely. I'm sure that little bit of prescience helps with these complicated plots and scheming that she's up to at this time. Now, some of our listeners might have a question right. about how this has possibly been kept secret all this time, considering so many of our characters, especially by the time we hit Children of Dune, so many of our characters have access to other memories, right? have access to their ancestors Why wouldn't some of those ancestors bring that shit up? Yeah. (laughs) Why would no one mention, hey, Jessica's mother is Moheim? Right. Why would all of the other voices inside their memories be silent about that? Right. From the Dune Encyclopedia, we are given a reason, and it's it's a fairly good one. Totally. Uh, But before we get into that, a little refresher on other memories and what they are. Basically- Many of our main characters, Alia, Ganema, Leto II, and of course, Paul himself, plus many of the Bene Gesserit who graduate to become Reverend Mothers, have access to their genetic memories, can tap into these capital V voices in their minds. Right. Now, we learn in Children of Dune that many of these voices have some degree of autonomy, right? They have their own personalities. They can choose to interact with or not interact with their quote-unquote host, right? So it's it's not like every voice is always talking or fully accessible. They have a bit of autonomy there. Right, yeah. And what we learned from the Dune Encyclopedia is that the voices of Jessica and Paul, in her own memory, are blocking the truth. Yeah. The voices have chosen to block the truth about Jessica's parentage and about Moheim. Being Ganema's great-great grandmother it's said here that they do
1: this they're they're kind of giving Ganema the explanation now that voice is dangerous. That voice will take you over. That voice will turn you to abomination. And you got to think for everything that Jessica and Paul knew about Moheim's manipulation. yeah, everything about Moheim yep would be the sort of voice that would turn Ganema to abomination, right? Right, She is the sort of manipulative planning person to say, no, I steered the ship of the Bene Gesserit. It's my turn again to steer your choices and to steer what you do. And in the end, it's Chani's voice that helps Moham finally break through because she being the sort of, I almost think of her as the, she's not really involved in all of this (laughs) as personally. Yeah. When Moheim does break through and finally speaks to Ganema, she goes, no, I'm not going to take over. I understand more than anybody how to work with the momentum of a plan. And so I can be a help to you. I can help train you and prepare you against other abomination because she also personally feared it so much in her life. So it is this kind of great moment where Chani's voice goes, we should trust moheim to be here at the table and sure enough she was totally right to do that what a good mom yeah chani killing it in motherhood it's great
0: right chani's voice internally for ganima has really been the protector against abomination for her and this is another instance of that right but this also then confirms for ganima that her great-grandmother is in fact guys helen moheim and this is when she Jots that down in her notes and it becomes history, at least according to the Dune Encyclopedia. Right. And so Paul Atreides and his children are descended not only from Vladimir Harkonnen, but also a very powerful and sort of prescient (laughs) Bene Gesserit reverend mother. Right. That is a powerful pairing.
1: Yeah. Oh, man.
0: And keeping that in mind, having that context of who the true heritage of paul and jessica are it adds quite a bit of emotional depth to the books right yeah i mean paul in essence at the start of the first dune book meets his grandmother who tests him right and then once he passes she is the reason that this plan is set in motion this elaborate ruse with juana and the harkonnens and dr yui that ends up killing his father yeah and ultimately leads him down a path that pits him against what ends up being his grandfather, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen.
1: And also the guy she slept with to get all this started. Yeah. Even if it was probably not a great experience for either of them.
0: Right, right. It, it Having this context really turns Dune into like this crazy multi-generational family drama.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> that spans the galaxy and costs... Billions of lives.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like every family drama before it. It's true. Yeah. 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 It really is true. No,
0: I agree. My family is much the same, actually.
1: (laughs) Billions of lives. (laughs) Well, reeling in our excitement a bit, and also to be utterly fair, because what I'm about to talk about, some people already know this, and y'all might be shaking your heads in dismay. The encyclopedia is of questionable canonical status, right? Yeah. It was broadly appreciated by... Frank Herbert, and so we at Gom Jabbar also appreciate it thusly as sort of secondary tier canon. But ultimately, none of this is set in stone. The encyclopedia is just putting forth what historians wrote in Dune, so it's totally possible it's just wrong, or this is a mismemory, or because this portion of the encyclopedia comes from crystals that Leto II would have written, it's possible there is some manipulation here. But I've also heard from a narrative standpoint, the feedback, and I think this is totally valid, that to your point, Abu, about this is just a big family drama, it's sort of the same feedback that happened about uh, the Star Wars, the final Star Wars movies. Totally. This idea that it's really just a small cast of characters and you're only significant if you're related to one of these (laughs) very few important people, it makes the universe smaller. It makes the galaxy smaller. Yeah, absolutely. To have Jessica have an unknown mother out there and it not be super significant who that person is makes the universe bigger and allows certain mysteries to exist without having to like wrap everything up neatly. Yeah. So there is that. And I think that's totally fair. And honestly, the more I think about it, I'm kind of flip-flopping back and forth, which one I would prefer.
0: Ah, uh, that's interesting because I'm not flip-flopping. <laughs> I agree with that critique of it. Oh, yeah. I actually don't like the idea of Moheim being jessica's mother it makes the universe too small it falls into that star wars trap of everyone is related to someone else super powerful and that's why they're powerful or that's where their power came from right yada 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 i mean we don't need an explanation of who jessica's mother is in my opinion like that can stay a mystery it doesn't need to be moheim and like to me i agree with that criticism that yes this exists in the dune encyclopedia and as we've stated on this podcast time and time again we do consider that sort of secondary canon, but to me, this is one thing that I am perfectly happy ignoring, Jessica's mother being Moheim. It's just not something that I think adds to the narrative or adds to the story. Yeah, And in fact, like you said, makes the story small and falls into that Star Wars trap of everyone is just related to each other.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can't deny that certain lines become so much more poignant if you think about that identity, you know?
0: Certainly, yeah.
1: So, uh, yeah, I hear you. And again, I only flip-flop because it is fun to have that that moment where Mohaim is looking out on Alia Atreides. Her grandchild is Abomination, is also Baron Harkonnen's there, who's the person she slept with. Alia stabs him with the bar, the test. G- like, yeah. there are so many fun little connecting bits, but... It's fun in like a popcorn sense. It's fun and it's a spectacle, but it's not right subtle or nuanced. I like spectacle, though. <laughs> I like popcorn movies, so I don't know. I also was not as personally offended by the ending of Star Wars as a lot of people were. I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> sure. This is yeah. as much sense as anything has ever made.
0: Anyway. <laughs> right. And and Dune, Dune Cannon is a fucking mess. It so is. Believe what you want to, believe what makes you happy and uh, you know, whatever resonates with you resonates with you. 100%. We're not here to tell you what is and is not true. We're here to explore this wonderful universe in all of its messy messy glory. Absolutely. And and
1: ultimately, that's actually why I now want to shout out a Reddit user, Maxime Dehiver, uh which is <laughs> Way over-Frenchified pronunciation, (laughs) or as they said, because I had a a conversation with them on on Reddit, uh, "Maximethiver" is how they said they might read it in their head. Um, I'm actually going to bow down to their knowledge on this subject because you're right, Abu. It's messy, and it's so much messier. This topic was so much messier than I expected. Here's how this breaks down, okay? Right. The Dune Encyclopedia, which was edited by Willis E. McNelly, proposed this twist first. This is in 1984. That Moheim is or was Tanedia, the mother of Jessica. That reveal was, according to McNelly himself, one of the few things that Frank objected to from the Dune Encyclopedia. Here is an excerpt from a message from McNelly, okay? Quote, I consulted with him by phone very often, and he and I had only one quibble. My assertion that Reverend Mother Helen Gaius Moheim was Jessica's true mother, which is contrary to what the books themselves say, where Frank Herbert identified some shadowy figure as Tanidia Neris as her mother, end quote. Right. So they ended that conversation on good terms, as he says later. And that does kind of put a nail in the coffin of this twist, right? This idea that, now nah, Frank was kind of like, no, not that one, right? But there's one other side to this, which should be brought up. Right. 15 years later, after the Dune Encyclopedia was published, the 1999 novel Dune House Atreides by Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson was uh, published, and in the plot of that book, establishes the same twist, the same connection. Now, Brian claims he based a lot of his writings, a lot of his prequels, a lot of his sequels, on Frank's notes. So there is a possibility that Based on his conversations with McNelly, Frank maybe changed his mind and said, you know what, maybe Mohaim, maybe it is good for some reason that I'll get into in this book that I'm going to write next. You know, totally possible that he changed his mind, wrote a note about it, and then that note was something that Brian Herbert based that plot twist off of. So, you know, all of this is to say... (laughs) First of all, thank you, Maxime. Yeah. Incredible bit of insight into that whole debacle. Right. But also, I flashed back to me going, oh, let's take a fun, quick look
0: at a character <laughs> who doesn't get enough time. Right. Two hours ago, Leo was like, let's just have a casual conversation about Mohai. It'll be so quick and easy and fun. We we won't get stuck in the canonical quicksand that is Dune. <laughs> And have to talk about emails between (laughs) McNally.
1: (laughs) It's just wild. But, you know, you're totally right. I mean, Moheim, like a few other topics, really does sit at this boiling nexus of canonicity. Yeah. And I guess then I'll say maybe for the both of us, Abu, we celebrate the fact that there is room for interpretation, right? The Dune Encyclopedia offers answers to a lot of questions that Frank never answered, But you can absolutely consider them as one possible answer. It doesn't have to be, if you disagree with it, you're wrong. Yep. We celebrate that it is fun to talk about these things. And it is fun to get a little bit messy and to go, "Eh, how do I feel about that? Right. Is that good?
0: Yeah. Because look, we have a lot of free time. We too have been imprisoned in Paul's dungeon. (laughs) Someone please send help. We just have a pair of microphones and all the time in the world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> irolan keeps visiting and she's, just, and she's
0: just not doing anything <laughs>
1: she's not doing anything
0: do something irolan please i keep giving her the secret message to bust our ass out of here and she's not doing it
1: <laughs> i mean in the classic gomjabar fashion we've talked this show to death you have now survived or not our gomjabar test and uh
0: yeah Every episode is a test. <laughs> Every episode is a
1: test. And only <laughs> human listeners <laughs> move forward. <laughs> if you do want to explore some of what we've talked about today, in the Dune Encyclopedia, her entry is on page 531. Yeah. And we'll talk about her diaries another time, probably in the Benny Gesserit episode. But they're there. And this whole section is is cool. It's fun to read. It's there. It's there waiting for you. Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Muad'Dib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the
0: golden path. Uh, oh damn it I had another earline joke and I just lost it Fuck. guys Helen guys <laughs> Helen yeah. guys
1: Helen guys Helen you gathering those boys semen again
0: <laughs> Jesus
1: I told you that was forbidden <laughs> but pa
0: I need his babies <laughs> ain't no such damn thing as a quiz ad's head erect. <laughs> How dare
1: you bring that Blue Hill speech into our household. (laughs) (laughs) You've been hanging out at Rosick again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, the deepest of cuts. Jesus.